Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. It's always fun. It is fun to get a slow clap, and it's fun to get to come and talk with you guys. So I'm getting to pick up on the Old Testament themes, the Old Testament stories, characters, things that happen in the Old Testament that we need to know, should know, and can apply to our life. The thing that I want to talk with you about tonight is that there are times in our lives, or maybe seasons that we go through, where we feel like we're on the losing end of a situation. The losing end financially or relationally, socially, somehow we feel like we're on the losing end of stuff. There are actually times when the odds really are against you. And these are times that you could actually avoid. For example, if you play roulette, anyone, anyone, there we go. The betting odds are 38 to one. You really don't have much of a chance. The casino makes 5.26%, they call it down the hatch. Guaranteed to them that they are gonna make. That means you're, if you're betting on a $5 table and you do 30 spins an hour, you play for four hours, you're going to walk away from that roulette table with $31 less than you showed up with. You really don't have that much of a chance. If you play slot machines, go to casino, play slot machines, casinos make twice that amount, at least up to four times that amount. It's like you were taking your money and you're going, here, take it, take it. I don't need it. You have it. The odds of the lottery are even worse. You are, I think this stuff is interesting. <laughs> you are six times more likely to be struck by lightning than you are at winning the lottery. If, for example, you decide, I'm going to go to Hamilton City. There's a shop there, and I'm going to go buy my ticket because I heard that that's where the winners are at. If you were to drive 10 miles, it's about what that is, to buy your lottery ticket, you are three times more likely to die in a car accident on your trip than you are to actually win. Okay. Is anybody afraid of getting on an airplane that somebody might have a bomb on that plane? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. It's a real legitimate fear. Well, the reality is for there to be a bomb on the plane, the odds are 13 million to one. But if you're afraid, I have the perfect solution for you. Because, you see, the probability of being on a plane with two bombs, 32 billion to one. The solution is obvious. When you fly, always carry a bomb. There you go. Your odds go from 13 million to 32 billion to one. See, sometimes it just seems that the odds are against you. Sometimes it seems like life has somehow stacked this deck against me. And I don't have a good chance. I don't have good odds. You know, have you ever felt like that? Things just aren't going right. They're not working right. So tonight... What I want us to do is I want us to look at how you could face your biggest challenges. 
Because in the Old Testament, one of the things that happened was recurring massive challenges. And the leaders, the kings, would always have to make a choice as to what they were going to do. There was a cycle that would go on in the Old Testament. God would do something great and amazing, and the king and everybody would say, Wow, you're so amazing, God. I'm going to follow you. And they would follow God for a short time. Then they would forget, and then they would go into disaster mode. It would get so bad, and then all of a sudden, somebody would step up and say, we should follow God. And then God would do something amazing, and they would follow God, but it was just a repeating cycle. One of the stories that's fascinating to me is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In this story, there are three nations, the three neighboring nations to Israel. They decide they're going to team up and go against King Jehoshaphat and the Israeli nation and just wipe them out. The three of us could easily do that. King Jehoshaphat is facing a triple threat. And you know what that's like. A triple threat. Three enemy nations are coming to do battle. It could be the story of massive defeat, massive destruction. But Jehoshaphat makes a right choice, and he takes the right actions. So it is a beautiful story of how God is there for his people. It's a beautiful story of how God is there for you and what you can do when you face terrible odds, tough situations, big challenges. You see, in your life, you're going to face some different battles. If you haven't already, you're going to face a financial battle. You're going to face some relational battles. You might face some type of a health-oriented battle. There are battles in life. These principles I want to talk about apply to the battles of life that we face. So we can look back into this story in the Old Testament, see what choices were made, what actions were taken, and see what God did as a result of that. It's really cool stuff. So I'm going to give you, I put them in order of steps. We're just walking through this chapter, but I'm going to point out things as we go. Step one, you know, what could we learn from King Jehoshaphat? What do you do when you feel like life is against you, when life has just turned hard? The first thing you do is you turn to God. You turn to him first. It's like before you do anything else, You don't pass go. You don't collect $200. You go directly to God. And he's there for you. You go to God. You say, God, I'm overwhelmed. I need help. I'm not sure what I should do, but I know you could help me. You turn to God first. See, the issue here is we are lacking the perspective that God has. See, our perspective is limited on situations. God's perspective is unlimited He sees everything that is going on, and he can help us with that. But we need to turn to him first. See, too often, what we do is rather than turning to God first, we turn to other things or other people, other ideas. We turn to them rather than turning to God. So rather than than using prayer as the, the, the first action step, it becomes the last resort. You know, there's so many situations where people say, well, 
It's gotten so bad. I don't know what else we could do. I guess we should pray. As if, why didn't you think of that earlier? Why make prayer the last resort when it should be the first resort? It should be the go-to. It should be your first choice, not your last resort. If you want God to help overcome the odds you're facing, in whatever area of life it is, turn to God first. Verses 1 through 3, this chapter says, The armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and Meunites declared war. The king was afraid. Hey, I get it. You got three massive armies coming at you. Who wouldn't be afraid? He's afraid. So he decided to ask the Lord what to do. That's showing some wisdom. I'm afraid I'm going to go to God. I think that's a normal reaction. Three big guys are coming at me in a dark alley. I'm going to be afraid. Yeah, I'm going to take him down, but I'm going to be afraid. (laughs) The things that are overwhelming in your life right now, the problems that you're facing, it's not that your fear is a problem. It's what you do about the fear. He was afraid, but he turned to God for help. When you're afraid, when you begin to feel overwhelmed, the big questions of what do you do with that fear? Does that fear demotivate you? Does it destabilize you? Does it depress you? Does it discourage you? Does it cause you to want to throw in the towel and say, I quit? Does it cause you to to want to say, I can't make this work. Why should I even try? It's not going well. It's not going to go well. It's not going to end well. I'll just give up. I would tell you, never let an impossible situation intimidate you. Let it motivate you. Let it move you toward God. So how can the problems in your life motivate you? Let it motivate you to pray more. Let it motivate you to trust more. Let it motivate you to depend on God more. Let it motivate you to get your priorities straight. Let it motivate you to turn to God first. So step one, turn to God first. Step two, talk to God about your situation. There is no problem too big for God to handle. There is no problem too small for God to handle. He wants to handle our problems for us, big and small. He wants us to go to him. In verse 5, it says, The king went and stood before the people and prayed aloud. The king, he gives us an example of, of three things in this to pray for. The first thing he does, which we could do, is remind yourself of who God is. This is a great first thing to do when you pray. Remind yourself of who God is, and you could do that by letting him know. In verse 6, King Jehoshaphat says, Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. He's praying before the people. The people are hearing his view of God, which I'm sure was encouraging to them. We need to remind ourselves about who God is. So when we talk to God about the problem, about the situation, we start out by acknowledging 
who God is. You are the great and mighty one. You are God, I'm not. You are mighty in battle. I need to be with you. That's what you do. You, God, are all powerful. Nothing is too hard for you. You are the one who rules over all the nations, all the kingdoms, even the ones that are coming after me. So the king, he learns that three enemy nations are coming at him. So he stops and he prays. First thing he does, you remind yourself of who God is. The second thing is remind yourself of what God has done in the past. You recall the times when God helped you in the past. Or you recall the times that you know of that God helped somebody else in the past. You remember what he's already done in your life. You remember what he's already done in somebody else's life. In verse 7 he says, Didn't you drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? Joseph is going all the way back to, to Moses and Joshua. And he's saying, hey, when you led them out of bondage and brought them into the land, didn't you drive out the people that were here? Didn't you give us this land? Didn't you do miracles here for us? So he recalls the way that God worked in the past. He's saying, I know who you are. You are great and mighty. And I know what you've done. You've done amazing things. And then you're to the third step that Jehoshaphat takes, which is ask God for help. In verse 12, the start of verse 12, he says, Oh God, won't you stop them? He's saying, God, how about a repeat performance? I know what you did back then. Why don't you do it again? Help us, save us. And we could do that with our situations, with our problems. We can go to God and we can acknowledge who he is and ask him for help. A little earlier in verse 9, uh, he mentions the situations that God helped with in the past. And he mentions tragedies, physical needs, material needs, sickness, famine. And he says, none of this is too hard for you. You helped us in the past, won't you do it again? We would love to see you do it again. What you could know is that his prayer is built around three questions. Are you not? Did you not? Will you not? He says, are you not God? Yes, you are God. You are in control. You are in charge. You are the great and mighty God. Did you not help us in the past? Well, yes, you did. Will you not do it again? That's the way that you can pray when you are facing a challenge. Acknowledge who God is. Acknowledge what God has done in the past and ask him to do something again. So no matter what the situation, you remind yourself who God is, remind yourself what God has done, and you ask him to do it again. And then step three is trust God to help you. In the verse 12b, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do but we are looking to you for help. I love to underline things. I want to tell you, underline the first five words of that verse and the last seven words. And what you get is, we are powerless against this. We are looking to you for help. 
We are powerless, but you are not. Would you please help us in this? Whenever you are facing a situation that just seems overwhelming, it just seems to be dominating in your life, whether it is with school, whether it is with a relationship, no matter what it is, you can go to God because God wants to help you. So you don't want to be like the children of Israel who just are constantly ignoring God until it just gets so bad that they now turn to him again. It would be better to turn to God and then stay turned. Stay with him. No matter what is going on, he wants to be with you. He wants to help. You need to trust God to help you. You need to focus not on your problem, but on God. For a lot of people, the problem is is where they have their focus. And where they have their focus is not helping them to move forward. It's one of the biggest mistakes people make. We We tend to see our problem rather than God. We tend to look at our problem rather than looking at God. You know, I've asked people before, how you doing? And they'll say, maybe you've heard this. I'm doing okay under the circumstances. You ever heard that? I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And I think, what are you doing under the circumstances? See, my view is that circumstances are like a mattress. Try this. When you get on top of the mattress, it's soft, it's cushy. It's easy. It's the place to be. But if you crawl under the mattress, it's so oppressive. It's so weighty. It so just holds you down. That's what you need to think of with your circumstances. You need to get on top of your circumstances. Don't get under them. If you get under your your circumstances, you're being controlled by them. You're being held down by them. Get out from under your circumstances And get on top of your circumstances with a new attitude, with a new perspective, with the perspective that God would want for you to have in that situation, which is not to focus on your problems, but to focus on God himself, who he is. You know who he is. You know what he's done in the past. And you know that he couldn't help you. You need to remind yourself of those things. And then what you do is you turn to God first, you talk to God about the problem, and you trust God to help you. Core thing, trust God to help you. You get down to verse 15, it says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I love that. The battle is not yours, but God's. What God is saying is, you can trust me. I will fight for you. I will take on this battle with you and for you. And I will see you get the victory in it. In verse 17, you don't need to fight in this battle. Just stand strong in your places and you will see the Lord save you. So what does God want you to do when you face this battle that you're facing? What are you supposed to do when you're facing an overwhelming situation? 
Two words. Stand strong. What does it mean to stand strong? It is a mental focus. It is, a, it is an attitude of confidence. I confidently trust God. I know him. I know what he's done in the past. I know he could help me right now. So I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to stand strong in this. I'm not going to run. And you know, there are a lot of ways to run. There are a lot of ways to escape, and everybody has their favorite escape. You know, when you feel pressured, when you feel all of this weight of circumstance, everybody has their go-to to escape that moment of reality or that moment of responsibility. They do something. So what should I stand strong on? Well, verse 20, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will stand strong. Have faith in his prophets, and you will succeed. You stand on two things. You stand on the character of God. You have faith in the Lord your God, and you stand on the leaders God has put in your life. You have faith in his prophets. Faith in the Lord, faith in the prophets. You stand on those two things, on God's character and on God's leaders. The leaders that God has put in your life who, who are willing to follow God, and they've been an example for you. God's leaders are people who have said and led. They've said God's truth, and they've led from that truth. So when you're face, facing this overwhelming battle, when you just feel like the odds are against you, you do these three things. You turn to God, you talk to God, and you trust God. You turn, you talk, you trust. Easy to remember. Turn, talk, trust. Turn to God, talk to God, trust in God. So in this, how does this story end? Do they get annihilated by these three armies? What happens? Well, in verse 21, the king appointed singers. I thought that was a cool song that led into me talking. It was cool. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his enduring love. In his faithful love endures forever. The king leads them into battle with the praise of God on their lips. That's awesome. You get verse 22. At the moment they began to sing and to praise, what happens? The Lord steps in. He caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Israel didn't have enough fighters, to, enough warriors to fight them off. God just turns them against each other, and they destroy each other while the Israelites watch. Then the next thing is, is, is pretty amazing to me. You get verse 29 and 30. So you have all these kingdoms around here who just want to take you out. Three of them join together to go against them and to annihilate them. 
God steps in and destroys them. The next thing that happens is when the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. The phrase, the fear of God, you've heard that? That'll put the fear of God in you. This is what happened. The neighboring nations got the fear of God put in them. And so they weren't going to mess with Israel anymore. So the kingdom was at peace, for God had given him, the king, rest on every side, all the way around. The result of going to God first, talking to him and trusting him, is that the battle is won, and you get to live in peace and rest. That's a good place compared to anxiety and miserableness. Peace and rest. That's what I want for you. I want you to live in rest and peace on every side. The relational side, the financial side, the social side, having peace on every side. Now, I imagine, you know, some of you or many of you, maybe, maybe most of you have some kind of a difficult circumstance going on. Turn to God, talk to God, and trust God. Because no matter what the odds are that are against you, if God is for you, who could be against you? God will win the battle. He will help you succeed. Three things to do. Turn to God, talk to God, trust God. Okay, let's pray. Father, I am so grateful that you are a God who doesn't just create and sit back and watch, but you are actively involved in our lives. In all of what we are going through, you are there to be with us and for us. And I pray that when we face any kind of hardship, any kind of challenge, whether it is financial or health or relational, I pray that we would turn to you first before we turn to anything or anyone else. I pray that we would talk to you, to share our hearts with you. And I pray that we would trust you to allow you to guide us and to lead us. I pray we would do that in a way that honors you and pleases you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.